Welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Joining me today, all the way from Canada, I've got Liv with Thin Blue Scribble. And if you haven't seen her work on Instagram yet, definitely go and check it out. It's uh, it's not unique uh, to Canada, which was a little bit refreshing to know that we all have the same issues that we really are just one big uh, blue line family and the uh, the nasty drunks and the liquefied dead people and the uh, the DVs where you're going to take them to jail, but I'm never going to show up to court. And uh, uh, it's all the same to include those of you that are female officers. This will resonate with you and I want to know the story behind it, but we'll get to it. But there is a panel where it looks like uh, Liv and uh, and her boyfriend, her husband, walked into the super cool tactical boot store, and the dude uh, just wanted to talk to uh, uh, Liv's Liv's man as opposed to Liv. <laughs> so we're gonna true get it. Story. True story. <laughs> we're gonna get into it, uh, and uh, and we're gonna go on a, a very educational ride through Canadian law enforcement, uh, which I'm actually super nerdy and excited about because Liv, you are the first officer from another country that I've interviewed. So thank you so very much. Well, in that case, I will do my very best to represent my country. It's an honor to be here. And if you don't, and Justin Trudeau wants a copy of this, I'll tell him to kiss my ass. How's that sound? <laughs> you can have it for $1 million. <laughs> one, mil- one million dollars. <laughs> you guys can't see it. Uh, we're, we've got a Zoom call going on, and Liv's got the whole, like, Dr. Evil pinky thing down on, on point right here. So, <laughs> Hey, Mike Myers is a fellow Canadian. Gotta love him. That's true. You know, not a lot of people realize that, that you look at like all these comedy, uh, like these well-known, you know, comedy actors uh, of the uh, the 90s and the 2000s, you know, Mike Myers, Jim Carrey, uh, all Canadian. You've also got um, John oh, Candy. You got John Candy. You've got um, Ryan Reynolds from Regina. Oh, yeah. Love me from, love me from Ryan Reynolds. I'm fanning myself right now. Yeah, yeah. She's fanning herself. And uh, and uh, I've started to get a little hot and bothered just thinking about Ryan Reynolds as well. So, uh, <laughs> uh, man. Well, Liv, thank you again for taking the time uh, out of your uh, Saturday evening here to uh, to come on my humble podcast and, uh, and talk to us about just what life is like um, up there in Canada and being a cop and uh, we're just going to talk about talk about your story. I told told her before we signed on that this is the Live Show hosted by Kevin. So if okay. you're okay, if you're ready to dive into it, I sure am. Uh, but Live, I start uh, many of my podcasts with uh, some icebreaker questions, just so that I and the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so I will start with uh, my my old standby. You can have a drink with anybody, alive or dead. Who is it, and what are you drinking? Okay, well, I had to think about this one for a while to narrow the list down, but without a question, I would want to sit down with Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. The creator of Calvin and Hobbes. Okay, I like it. I like. And is that is it safe to say that's where you got a lot of your inspiration from? Absolutely. I mean, as a a writer, as a an artist, as just trying to be a creative human being, I would say more than any other cartoonship Calvin and Hobbes has been a like the biggest influence in my life I like it I like it that's a new one for me I haven't uh, haven't had anybody bring that one up yet is there a particular um 
like panel from Calvin and Hobbes? Is there one that you have like printed out or framed or anything that that comes to mind at all? I know it's a little bit to to ask you to to describe that um, as a, because it's a very visual thing, but just curious if there's if there's like one thing uh, of Calvin and Hobbes that sticks out. I don't think there's one sort of story arc or strip in particular. I mean, I have every single book. I have the box set. Anything that's been published and. Unfortunately, there was a fairly limited number of books that he ended up writing. Everything he owns, I've read backwards and forwards, and I probably reread them about once a year because I always get something new out of them whenever I reread them. Just the sheer creativity and kind of watching that grow and evolve from when he wrote his very first book to when he wrote his very last. And there was about a 10-year time span between the first and the last. And just really how the script, the script, the I can't talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> really, the way that the script evolved in from it became very philosophical towards the end, and I can really appreciate both his love for nature and appreciation for sort of the small creative things in life. Absolutely. Well, and it and it takes. I mean, you get a lot of people. I think would look at a lot of comic strips. I mean, you know insert comics through Calvin and Hobbes, um, you know, the, the, the Garfield comics, whatever the case may be. And they look at that and go, Oh, ha ha ha. Like, okay, moving on. But they don't, they wouldn't necessarily key into like the subtle undertones that may be present in those, in those, uh, those panels and, and the cartoons themselves. Oh, totally. It's not, it's not just, you know, something for kids or something for, for like cheap entertainment or anything like that. It, it, it's a true form you know, uh, like a true form of expression in and of itself. And I, I just don't know that a lot of people recognize that for what it is. Yeah, like I would say I was probably eight when I first started reading Calvin and Hobbes. And I won't say how old I am now, but I mean, I definitely get something different out of it than I did as an eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I wonder if I'll get something different out of like any of my kids' books as I go back and read them, the ones that, because I've got a two-year-old, so every now and then we come across a book and I'm like, I seem to remember that one. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's got a pop-up book right now, though, that's, um, uh, it's got uh, like a, you know, it's all sing-songy and rhymey, and it's something about, there's a pelican, and, and the book opens, and this pelican pops out with its beak and its beak is filled with fish and it's like the pelican is playing hide and seek with the fish i'm like that pelican is not playing hide and seek with those fish no. <laughs> he is eating those it's a little on the morbid side but that's okay um all right well and and does anything come to mind as far as uh as far as uh what you guys are uh drinking out of question, I would mix in my best old-fashioned, my favorite cocktail. You're okay. All right. So now you're speaking my language. I did not pour myself a drink for this one, which is abnormal for me. Um, but what is your whiskey of choice? Because Canadian whiskey, you've got your own like whole brand, like whole identity of whiskey in Canada, much like Japanese whiskey is is very unique to their country. Mm -hmm. Bourbon is is definitively American, but what what is your whiskey? If I'm mixing the old fashioned, I'm actually going to use bourbon, specifically bullet bourbon, which is a really good one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got a bottle of that. I used to have a bottle of that, not anymore. Oh, I think we need to find you a bottle of bullet. Somebody, like, we got to, we got to do an air mission uh, and, and airdrop some bullet bourbon up into Canada Seriously. so that Liv can have some. <laughs> oh, you can buy it here. I just need to get my butt to the store. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, if it, I'm uh, drinking whiskey over just over the rocks, one ice cube, you don't want to water it down. Nothing bugs me more than if you go to a restaurant and order an old fashioned and they fill the jar with crushed ice. I just want to slap that off the table like an angry cat. <laughs> Forget it. I'm going home. I'm done. Like that, I can't I, drink this. Jar. I didn't ask for a whiskey slushy. <laughs> no. <laughs> So right now I'm drinking Glenlivet Founders Reserve Scotch. I'm a huge Scotch fan. My ice is almost melted though because this is my old-fashioned grouse cup and my giant ice spear maker. The spears are too big for this glass. Okay. That's so, sad. After Canadian whiskey, I'm going to sound like a terrible Canadian for saying this. I don't like it very much. Hey, that's fair. There, there I are probably people. I like whiskey very much. I know plenty of people who will choose uh, scotch or or any other type of of like blended whiskey uh, over bourbon any day of the week. Um, you know, there are probably people in Kentucky, um, and, you know, where they you know they they work surrounded by fifty one different bourbon distilleries, and they're still going to be like it's a big big deep dark secret they can never tell anybody, but they really hate bourbon. So no, it's all right. At least you're you're what? honest about it, and you know you know what you like and do not like. Yeah, it feels a better, a little better having that out in the open now. I just I don't like rye whiskey. It, to me, it just smells like the breath of too many horrible people I've arrested. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. It makes me think of bad drunk breath. Is there a, um, is there any other alcohol that that uh, that brings about those those memories mine mine is tequila i do not drink tequila yeah i'm not a huge tequila fan the very first time i ever consumed alcohol was tequila and that was a bad thing to jump in both feet into <laughs> somebody did you wrong <laughs> see my my yeah. first my first foray uh was with whiskey and uh, a guy named Joe, and I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, um, but a guy named Joe poured me a Jack and Dr. Pepper because we didn't have any Coca-Cola. And oh, no. yeah, he filled a red Solo cup with Jack Daniels, like splashed some Dr. Pepper on top of it, put a couple ice cubes in there, and then uh, questioned my manhood on whether or not I would be able to drink that in under, so I think it was like 10 minutes or something like that, and I did, and then I got violently ill, and I missed the entirety of our friend Brett's 21st birthday party. Oh, no. I was asleep in the bathroom, so good times. And then I woke up at 4 a.m., ate some carne asada fries from Filiberto's, which if you're a Phoenix native, you know all about Philly B's carne asada fries. This is not a sponsored episode. Uh, but there is no better food uh, when you are recovering uh, from a night like that. Although, what is the like Canadian equivalent of, like, what's that greasy go-to, like, hangover cure? Well, um, we definitely like poutine, which is fried gravy and cheese. Okay. All right. Super you got all the starchy fries, greasy gravy, greasy cheese. There's lots of grease and starch to absorb whatever it is that's ailing you. I, uh, and I then the, oh, go ahead. The other big thing for me, I love a good greasy breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Doesn't matter the time of the day. I love a greasy breakfast, breakfast sandwich. I'll take that over the side. No question. I think I would, I would probably choose the greasy breakfast sandwich. Although, so my uh, admission to you is that I've never had poutine before. I've only been to Canada once, um, and it just, it just didn't come across. Uh, I did manage to get into a, uh, a, is it a Tim Hortons? Is that? Oh my God, Tim Hortons! <laughs> I think Tim Hortons 
Again, bad Canadian. Tim Horton sucks. The coffee is terrible. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Oh, it's so bad. I remember it being better years ago before. They kind of they kind of sold out and got too big too soon. I just think their coffee sucks. It doesn't have enough taste. I uh, We were in the cab on our way from vancouver international airport to the marriott whatever marriott we were staying in and the guy was like you guys have dunkin donuts we've got tim hortons and i think that that's probably a fair um like a a fair comparison in that like you don't you don't go to dunkin donuts if you're like a coffee connoisseur i'm sorry if anybody from dunkin donuts is listening but it's like it's quick cheap and easy and you you know what you're gonna get no surprises no bullshit so it's just Easy peasy, I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts. And I feel like Tim Hortons is, is Canada's answer to that. Oh, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. Like, I've never had Dunkin' Donuts. I did buy a bag of the their roast coffee once at a Walmart in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is another story. And it was actually decent. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. I just wanted to bring back American coffee. We got to get you some, uh, some, some Hawaiian coffee, some Kona coffee or like Kauai coffee i just came back i brought i brought several bags home with me from hawaii in my opinion hawaiian coffee is like premier coffee uh there are people who would fight me in the streets over that but that that's just where i stand on it i believe you i've been to maui once in the spring of 2017 and i did not have a bad meal or a bad drink there it was phenomenal i had such a good time yeah yeah absolutely you can't you know well, this time when we went to Kauai, we went there because my wife had had grown up there a little bit when she was real young, and I wasn't like blown away with the food, but I'm also I'm gonna blame a little bit of that on COVID because again, with Hawaii is so strict on their uh, like the, their oh. lockdown measures that I just don't know that you're getting oh you're not oh, so many restaurants are closed, or so many like the smaller like like the hole in the wall places have shut down. Uh, because their tourism just plummeted all through COVID. So I, I will say that that um, ordinarily my experiences in Hawaii have been that the food is absolutely delicious. The drinks are delicious. The coffee's always good. So, um, but uh, yeah, we got to, we're going to, I'm going to work on getting you some, some other coffee. We're not known for coffee in Arizona. We're not known for many things other than it's September and it's still 103 degrees Fahrenheit outside. You, um, yeah, I'll take Canada. So, well, see, and that's that's like our great big difference, right? Because I sit as a, I am no longer a patrol officer. I am a a comfy polo shirt wearing detective, um, as is evident by my diet <laughs> and and my uh, my unwillingness to now spend more than uh, more than forty five minutes outside. But um, working patrol in Arizona, when it's routinely in July and August, it's you know. 112 to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, on the, on the Ooh. high end there. But if you put me in snow, I would cease to function. I feel the same way about heat and the, the worst of it is we had a record breaking heat wave for a couple of weeks in July. I mean, I guess I think in Celsius, but I mean, it was like 39, 40, whatever that is in American units. I was, melting like I felt like a witch at the end of the Wizard of Oz like melting into a <laughs> festering puddle on the pavement like I couldn't think I don't know how people live in heat it was horrible 
Oh yeah, no, I've 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 stood out there, you know, boot melting temperatures, and it just eh, it is what it is. But if you put like if my ears get cold, it gets so thirty nine or forty Celsius in Fahrenheit is it's like the upper like high nineties, low hundreds, I think somewhere around there. Um, okay, I'm sure there's somebody who will correct me. So no, that that is absolutely hot, and I would I also have to imagine that it it's humid in Canada, but I could be wrong on that. Does it get humid? It doesn't get super humid where I live because I'm not close to any big body of water. Like I used to live in Southern Ontario for a while and it got really humid because it was by the Great Lakes. Sure. Out here on the prairies, not so much. It's actually pretty dry. And in the winter, like just breathing can give you a nosebleed sometimes because it's that dry. Yeah, if it's, if it's too cold outside and too dry, not to give anybody too much information, but like in the winters, in Arizona because there is no humidity. It's, it's a desert. Um, but that's like, that's when I get like nosebleeds. And if my ears get cold, I am the biggest bitch on the planet. Like I don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. My ears are cold. I'm angry. So, <laughs> but sweating through a Kevlar vest now, nah, whatever. Oh, well, moving on. <laughs> uh, for me, it's my toes. If my, get, if my toes get cold, it's game over. The rest of me is just done. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, those little shakeable, hand warmers i don't really know how they work you shake them and then they get yeah, warm yeah, i try yeah. to poke them into the toes of my boots but the bugger of that is they always end up moving around when i walk and they end up like bunched up under my instep or heel and then you just i, I don't know like walk like you're some sort of deformed creature because <laughs> everything the pressure is in the wrong place your toes are cold the weight's being distributed weird you just don't really want to be outside but you don't have a choice so yeah oh well what uh what is the let's see what is what is the one like snowstorm story that comes to mind for you oh well probably a collision that i went to in december of 2018 and there was a big snowstorm right at the beginning of the month we must have had about a foot of snow in one day and it was sort of the heavy sticky stuff not the nice light fluffy kind and a car accident came in a rollover where apparently around a sharp turn a truck hit the curb and rolled all, all the way down into a gorge and they didn't know if the person who was in it was even alive so the whole road got shut down i went and a couple of other cars went and this poor old man i thought was Runked out of his board like he couldn't understand a word he said he was almost unintelligible he couldn't form words until i realized he lost his dentures in the rollover and he couldn't talk because his oh, teeth had fallen no. out <laughs> and you, you like you, you want to laugh but you're also like oh, i'm so sorry i don't know where your teeth are <laughs> we're never gonna find them buddy there you've lost your teeth in the snow they're gone Put a bell on him or something. Yeah. Get, get, get like a find my iPhone for your denture. His dentures came out in a rollover. That's a new one. I have, uh, I've never experienced that. Um, but it, you would, that'd be one of those times where you're like, I know I'm not supposed to laugh at this, but this is a little on the funny side. Like, I'm just going to have to like, nope, excuse me, sir. I'm going to go get some paperwork out of my car real quick. And then you just bust out laughing because we're horrible human oh. beings. <laughs> What can you do, though? I mean, sometimes I bite the insides of my cheeks when I want to burst out laughing because it's all you can do. Sure, sure. 
yeah, yeah. Another snow. Oh my goodness. Oh, I just remembered another one. So later that night, because it's just like snow brings out the stupid in Canadians. I don't know why. It snows every year. We should be used to it, but everyone's green short circuits the first time it snows. It's like, oh my god, we've never seen this before. I don't know how to drive. I don't know how to steer. I don't know how to brake. I don't know how to do anything. This is a complete and utter surprise, even though this happened last year. So after so Joe Dentures is miraculously not dead in his mangled truck that has rolled several hundred feet down into a gorge. It's getting dark because it's December and it's dark by about 5 p.m. Another car accident comes and this one is in a park. And I was like, how can there be an accident in the park? Like, what can you possibly crash into? Get there and there's a very sheepish looking woman standing and the entrance to this park is like kind of a cul-de-sac and there's a, a parking lot and I'm like, so where's your car? And she's like, uh, it's probably easier if I show you. <laughs> that, that, oh, God. Like, oh, good, an adventure. <laughs> oh, okay. And it, keep in mind, it's dark and we're trudging through at least a foot of new snow and there's no real trail, but there's a pair of tire marks. So I'm following her and we're walking and we've walked quite a ways now. I mean, a few hundred feet and the parking lot's nowhere in sight and it's like so lady where's your car we come to a little footbridge and next to the footbridge in a stand of trees is her suv it's like so tell me how this happened well she says i feel really stupid but i was trying to get to this neighborhood and i put in directions into my google maps and i didn't realize they were the walking directions <laughs> <laughs> she, she put walking okay all right he was blindly following the walking direction so it's like okay cool so the directions led you to this parking lot you started there's no road so what were you thinking like okay i'll just give this a shot and see what happens like at what point did this start to seem like a terrible idea about the time she had to get out of her car that was totaled. <laughs> that was in a stand of trees because, uh, I don't know, she tried to drive across the footbridge and then call for a tow. The tow truck driver, first out laughing, doesn't even try to hide it and tells her, I'm sorry, your car is going to have to stay in the trees overnight. I'm going to have to come back in the morning with a bigger truck. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even give her a ticket. It was worth the price of admission like you know what your, your day is bad enough as it is. i did have somebody who who uh, uh single vehicle collision i think he was like 16 or 17 and he didn't damage any city property or private property like the only thing damaged was his vehicle like he went over a curb and uh, in like a <laughs> honda civic like not a car that can go oh. over a curb and uh um and he'd done it, you know, like, I don't know, roll on a stop sign or something along those lines. And then he swerved. And I'm like, you know what, dude, like you have to explain to your parents when they get here that you have jacked up the family car. Uh, you then probably have to pay for the car or your parents are going to have to pay for the car. I sure. I don't have the heart to give you a ticket like this is a self-correcting error. That said, I can't talk too much crap because uh, you are talking to the police officer who at about three o'clock in the morning in an empty parking lot, drove a Chevy Tahoe into a light pole. So, Oh no. And I was not sleeping. I was awake and on my way to a call for service. I just didn't realize there was a light pole in front of me. So, and in front of my Sergeant. Sometimes, no less. 
Uh, yeah, she she turned around. Did you just hit a pole? Like, yeah. She's like, no. stay here. I'll be back. Like, okay. <laughs> sounds like you owed someone a bottle. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? She hasn't she hasn't asked to collect on that yet, so I'm not going to try to remind her. I don't think that she listens to my show, but watch this be the episode that she does listen to. <laughs> oh, I won't say anything. <laughs> Thank you for keeping my secret. Uh, oh man, all right. Well, the. Uh, See, we're just moving right along, so we'll just fit these icebreaker questions in kind of as we get to them, and they don't necessarily even have anything to do with uh, with policing, but what books are you currently reading or listening to? All right. I have actually started rereading my Calvin and Hobbes collection, and I'm on, I think, the fourth book, Yukon Ho, but in terms of, like, real grown-up books that are mostly words and not pictures, I just started one called Beyond the Trees. And it's about a Canadian man who hiked alone 4,000 kilometers across the Arctic just because he could. Wow. That's a whole new level of boredom. Like to wake up one day and be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hike 4,000 kilometers. That across, yeah. the, across the Arctic, no less, like not even necessarily a, uh, a friendly environment. Like when I picture the Arctic, again, having never been there, uh, I just picture like flat tundra, just snow, like really inhospitable co- like conditions. And polar bears, and, wolves, and, all sorts of things. And, you can eat. And, and did you hear that, Ted? Bears. You brought bears into it. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I can't talk about Canada without talking about bears. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I understand that your geese are very angry. Oh, my God, they're jerks. <laughs> they are. They should be our national bird. I don't know why they aren't. They should be because they're really, really, really aggressive. They're everywhere. They don't even migrate. Like the ones that live in cities are lazy. Like they know how good they have it. So they just hang around all year and they kiss at you and they chase you and they poop everywhere. They're really mean. The only uh, exposure most of us Americans have to Canadian goose or Canadian geese, excuse me, is going to be from Letterkenny. So that's really about about it. And I also on the topic of on the topic of TV shows, I have to ask. So in the States. We've got the TV show SWAT, which the new one is like a reincarnation of the show from like the 1970s or something like like, like that. And we all make fun of it because as a cop, you sit there and watch cop things and you're like, really? Like you're going to wander around in your extra schmedium, super tight T-shirt and do all these things. Was do, do Canadian law enforcement officers look at the show Flashpoint in like the same light? Oh, totally. I don't think anybody who works in law enforcement can watch a a cop show without nitpicking everything. And like what I recently noticed is how come no one wears body armor? I went to see see cop shop, which was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was quite entertaining, but how come no one's wearing body armor? Like what's the matter with you? Does it not look good on TV? Like, no, it looks terrible. It looks like you sort of strapped yourself into a very, boxy corset that does absolutely nothing for you aesthetically, but I'd rather wear it than not. <laughs> I, my boss and I were just talking about how, uh, we were talking about various like cop shows and cop movies and how they just constantly get shit wrong. But we did, we settled on the show or the movie end of watch with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena as like a, a pretty good cop movie. Um, and down to like the banter back and forth in their car and, and where I work at, we don't usually get to ride two to a car. I don't know about, about mm-hmm. you. Uh, 
but but just that like back and forth kind of cop banter down to like uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's constantly like adjusting his his vest because it's riding up on. And I was like, shit, we do that. Like, I don't know if he had to learn that or if it just he just figured it out as this thing starts like turtling up on him. But I've actually never seen that movie. Oh, good Lord. All right. We're going to we're going to put that in the care package that we're going to airlift up to uh, up to Canada. <laughs> it well, it, And to be fair. As a police officer, I think I've watched that movie twice. Um, I won't give away the ending, but there there are certain movies that are they're really really good. But you just kind of get to the end of it, and you're like, ah, I don't know that I can do that again. So like uh, like Colors, uh, the the movie Colors was another one, also an LAPD based uh, based movie. So, but you'll have to check out End of Watch. So all right, um, so Calvin and Hobbes. Then what was the name of the book again? Beyond the trees. Beyond the trees. All right. All right. Fair enough. And how many Calvin and Hobbes books were there? Or are there? Oh, I think there were nine or ten, okay. not including the box set. Okay. Nine or ten, not including the box set. All right. Fair enough. Something to check out. I mean, by all means, if you, again, it, it's got some undertones to it that you might be able to pick up on, but it is nice, especially in our career. And you'll probably, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's nice to have something to take your attention away from the job and to occupy your brain. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I think part of why I read cartoons more now than maybe I did in the past, just because it's pure escapism. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it just, it, it forces your brain to occupy kind of a different, a different space and, and you don't have to go around and, and think about, uh, you know, I, I caution the, and I see it in the newer cops, uh, especially, and I say newer as somebody who's only been doing this for like four and a half years. Uh, but I, I caution cops to, Hey, don't like, don't take your weekends and work every overtime gig that you can find. Like, don't, don't be the cop sitting in the intersection, uh, you know, three days a week because, Oh, cool. Like $55 an hour. That's what it is for us. $55 an hour or 70 bucks an hour, whatever the case may be. Like it's, it's not worth your sanity to constantly sit inside of a police car for your entire existence. Like I, I was flipping through, uh, um, uh, the Instagram story today and came across Chris Palmer with five thirty two insight, um, on, on Instagram. I had him on a, a couple weeks ago and somebody had, had asked him his opinion on, uh, the job gets the best the family gets the rest. And for the love of God, if you're listening to this, no matter what your career is, I don't think that you should dive into it in that level. No, that can't be. It can't be all of who you are. Your job, it can't be your entire existence. I mean, if that's the only thing that you frame your identity around, then that makes you a very one-dimensional person. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and we're not, you know, I, I don't think that, that Liv or I are, are saying to just completely remove yourself from, from being a cop. A, a cop is a, a part of who you are, but that's just, that's just it. It is a part of who you are, not, not it your whole. And yeah, it is, it is not all of you. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see that, uh, that you and I have very similar opinions on that. And I feel that, that our careers, well, maybe not our careers, but our work environments are probably a lot more mirrored, uh, and, and very, very similar than, than maybe I ever, you know, thought, um, where I'm sure that, that you also work with, uh, work with the officers who dive into overtime head first. Cause they're like, Hey, money, money, money. Yeah. But you're not going to ever have any time to spend it. So, uh, you know, don't, like slow down there, man. But, uh, 
Yeah. Well, my my last icebreaker question before we get into uh, the nuts and bolts of the conversation is what is something that you believe in that many people on, on planet Earth consider to be a conspiracy theory? Okay. Well, aliens. Okay. Definitely aliens. Aliens. I like it. That's something I can agree with. So, so tell me more about uh, about your beliefs. Have you had any close encounters with aliens? Nope. Okay, fair enough. I didn't know if there was a story there or not. But I see the way I look at it is when you take into account just how massive the universe is, it is got to be statistically at least improbable that we're it. I just I can't I can't believe that. That's exactly my line of thinking. There's so little we really know about the universe. We barely understand our own planet, planet, let alone anything above and beyond. You can't tell me in a universe that we don't even know how big it is, that statistically we are the only sentient things. Like, come on, give me a break. There has to be something else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have to imagine that, like early man in in one part of the world, probably there were probably plenty of of Neanderthals who were like, no, we're it. Like we are, we are all that, that is, you know, living and being without ever realizing that there are other forms of early humanity on other parts of the earth who probably all think that they're it. And then there's just like, you know, like one, one caveman who's like, no, I think that there might be other people out there. And then he gets bashed upside the head with a stick. I, you know, something along those lines. (laughs) Pretty much. Well, just sort of uh, what is the scope of human thinking? Like I live on my island. There's no one else in this whole island. And then, oh my God, there's another island. Oh my God, there's another guy on that island. Mind blown. Yeah. Much. There's probably aliens right now doing whatever alien podcast they do, having this exact same conversation. There can very well be. I mean, if you think of Stephen Hawking's multiverse theory, huh. then maybe there are multiple universes. Yeah. I just don't think my mind can comprehend things that are just, back so no i'll start to get a headache and then i'll need to take a nap so i can't i can't dive down dive down that rabbit hole too far people want to come at me with like astro they're like oh you you're interested in space let me talk to you about astrophysics like you should not talk to me about astrophysics because i cannot hold that conversation you can we can talk i like space but i don't think i can understand astrophysics yeah no there's i i gotta draw a line somewhere um but uh i am i am curious though now kind of getting into uh getting into the why uh, of, of what what brought you and I together today is uh, Thin Blue Scribble, and it is your comic strip that I have to say, uh, I scrolled through the entirety of your Instagram, uh, not stalking you, I promise, um, and I, I just sat there and I, I had to like, la- A, I laughed because it was funny. Uh, many of your comic strips are, are very humorous, um, but I had to laugh to myself like, holy shit, here I am thinking, like, oh, I know that like a cop in California runs into the same stuff that I run into. A cop in Maryland runs into the same stuff that I it's it's just like what we just talked about with the aliens. Right. And I never really thought much beyond the borders of this country. And I've been wanting to sit down and talk with a cop uh, who does the exact same job that I've done for the last four years, um, but just does it on a different um Oh, my phone's telling me that I'm down to 20% battery. We're going to do this. We're going to do okay. No pressure. Um, yeah, finger, fingers crossed. We got this. Um, but, uh, you know, I was wanting to sit down and talk with somebody who does this job just somewhere else. So what got you into law enforcement? Why did you become a police officer? Well, it's 
kind of like a multiple choice answer, but I guess the simplest explanation is it's something I'd always had rattling around in my brain from the time I was about 12. When I was a preteen, my best friend's dad was a Mountie in the small town where I grew up, and I didn't really know a lot about what he actually did. But I knew he drived a cool car, and I knew he had a very cool uniform, and that what he did was somehow important, even though it was a 12 or 13-year-old. I don't think I could really sort of grasp what that importance actually was. As my life carried on, I went through university. I studied the sciences. I had a lot of trouble finding permanent work in that field. Like I love nature, I love science, but I also learned that being passionate about something doesn't mean you're guaranteed work in that field. So I was, I found myself in a situation in my early 30s where, wow, I don't have a job that has any kind of benefits, any kind of pension, any kind of job security whatsoever, because everything I did was on a contractual basis. And it meant I could be turning away work because I'd already taken on as much as I could, or I might have a year of being unemployed. And that was really stressful. So it sort of crept into the back of my head that maybe I should actually give this a try. I mean, I've been thinking about it for, you know, two decades. What have I got to lose by trying? I figured I'd always wonder what might have happened if I didn't at least give it a shot. So I did. And the way, way the comics kind of work into it is I knew that I wasn't in good enough shape to pass the physical. So I joined a gym and I got a personal trainer and the cartoons initially came out of my sort of very contentious relationship with working out, which it was something I knew I had to do, but didn't, I'm not one of these people who's like passionately living in the gym. I know you have to do it. I know it's good for you, but it's not my passion. And so that's kind of how cartooning, I would write sort of funny stuff about working out. And when I ended up getting hired, the character, which is very much, well, me, obviously, kind of went through recruit training and then got into patrol so it just kind of took on a life of its own and sort of mirrored where i was in my career yeah i like that what um uh, your your contentious relationship with the gym is uh very much like my contentious relationship with healthier food uh i'm just not a not a huge fan of things like salad i did eat a salad tonight so go me um but uh uh I, I did uh, I did see your comic panel on the entrance exam and it looks fairly similar. It looks like there's a wall climb or a fence climb or something along those lines in there. But um, take us through again. I'm gonna have to play the part of of that uh, you know kind of ignorant guy because I don't I don't know a whole lot about it. But take us through like what the academy looks like uh, for uh, cops in Canada. Okay. Um, in terms of actually getting hired, there was like a written test that you had to get a certain score on to pass you had to do the fitness test there was like a timed obstacle course that included a push-pull machine wall climb stairs body drag and then there was the infamous shuttle run which i still hate to this day if it was morgan freeman's voice maybe i'd feel better about it but it's just that <laughs> stupid the test the test will begin in three seconds and then automatically my anxiety comes up right oh so whatever there was a psychological evaluation. 
medical evaluation, big interview, and also a polygraph test. And of course, all your references, you basically had, I think they switched to it being like an online application now, but it was still paper when I applied. And it was just like this, seeing all of your life laid out in writing. And then at the end of it, you, you kind of read it like, oh my God, I'm actually a terrible person. <laughs> you look at the background interviewer like, you and I can never hang out. Just, you yeah. know you know way oh too much God. about me. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to do that again. Oh my goodness. I, I am friends with my background interviewer on Facebook and she has she has come close. I've posted something that was like two or three years ago. She's now since retired, but I posted something and she commented. She's like, don't make me tell everybody what I read in your background packet. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Crossing a line. Come on now. You know way too much. And uh, <laughs> I'm embarrassed. No, this is going to the grave. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, like you're going to take all this to the grave with you. You can never speak about it. Like we're going to, we're going to have like a blood pact on this stuff so pretty much, pretty much. and then and then you then you come to know your fellow officers and you start talking about all the negative and uh i would I, maybe not negative but all the embarrassing shit in your background but that's that's just how you develop those professional relationships um uh and and i also seem to remember seeing in one of your panels that uh you got to ride the lightning that you got hit with the taser we did. That was part of our training was getting chased and getting pepper sprayed. And if you have, because so I, we're not required to get tased, but I have been tased um, and I have been OC sprayed. So before I share my answer, if you had to pick one to you, either you're either going to get OC'd or you're going to get tased. Which one are you going with? Oh, taste, no doubt. Yep, I'm right there with you. Every now and then, some psychopath comes along that's like, "No, I would rather hit o- like get hit with OC spray." But like, what? Well, so you can be miserable no. for four days? Like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Good lord, no! Like tasing, it sucked. But I mean, it's done in five seconds, and then you're normal again. Like my feet were buzzing for a couple of minutes, but I felt perfectly normal. In fact, anything, I had a really good adrenaline rush. I was feeling pretty giddy, like in a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> OC. My face was melting. Like, I think my skin was actually coming off my skull. I reacted horribly to it. Then I felt like I was being waterboarded in the shower by the training officer who was trying to decontaminate me. It was minus 20. <laughs> it was minus 25 outside. Oh, hell and no. And I ran outside. Oh, yeah. I ran outside. I was soaking wet. And I stood outside in minus 25 weather because it was the only safe place my face felt remotely normal i ended up getting frostbite on my eyelid oh. i would not come back if someone had to convince me to come back inside i was so miserable i was just a loon like i even hailed pepper spray a couple of times on the job but then my squad ended up buying me ice cream one time so it was fine we it seems like any team that i've worked with on patrol we all had this like unspoken rule that you're, so we're not required to carry OC spray, and we made sure to like remind everybody who came to our team, like you're not required to carry OC spray. And if you spray me with OC spray, I'm going to pitch you into the canal because that's the only source of water that we have around here. So, yep. No thanks. Yeah, no. That's a that's a big no to uh, to OC spray. Um, and that then, was a horrible, horrible day. <laughs> And then when you uh, when you graduate the academy, uh, I would imagine that that again, similar to American law enforcement, there's some sort of field training uh, uh, phase that takes place where you're out with with a trainer, um, uh, and then you uh, you graduate from that and you go finally into the the great unknown as a, a solo patrol officer. Or do you ride two to a car where where you're at? How's it work? Yeah, 
Well, it's pretty much the same as what you described. Like after your basic recruit training, you get assigned somewhere and then you have a training officer and there's a certain amount of time you have to spend with them. And then your final set, like your final exam and you get, oh, this pass fail. But I mean, a good trainer would never let you get that far if they didn't think you were going to pass anyway. And then after that, you are cleared to work by yourself if you want to. But I think it's more fun working with a partner. It's nice to have someone to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. I I am jealous. In fact, anybody that I work with who's listening to this podcast knows exactly who I would be riding with. Uh, My buddy Brent, who I can guarantee will be listening to this podcast tomorrow on his way to work, more than likely. Uh, But I always enjoyed riding uh, with someone um, because, again, it gives you 10 hours or however long your shifts are. That's a long time to just be sitting there in a car like by yourself, drumming your fingers on the steering wheel. You end up doing things like listening to podcasts and then starting your own podcast. Um, Or that's just something that you do in your 30s. I haven't quite decided yet. Um, But um, it is it's nice to just have that that built in backup and the entertainment value and, and know you got somebody in your corner. Generally, if you're riding with somebody, you have a fairly good working relationship with that person. So, um, yeah, so it sounds like, sounds like it's all very, very similar. And is it, I, is it so similar that when you got done with field training, did you immediately get stuck in a graveyard shift? Did you have to work overnight? Um, patrol here rotates through, day shifts and night shifts. I actually don't remember whether, no, my, my final was on night. So I would have gone to days. I would have gone to days the first step that I ever worked by myself. I had to drive to court. The first thing I ever did alone was drive to court. And Fun. I remember what a big, <laughs> big feeling that was. Like, oh, I'm finally in the car by myself. I don't have to worry about anyone watching me or you know, feel nervous because I don't want to do something dumb. I mean, sometimes it's better to screw up when you don't have an audience and you're feeling like you're still finding your feet. Like that part, yes, but yeah, I drove to court. I'd forgotten about that. And I went to a convenience store and I bought a bag of gummies. (laughs) That was my big, big first move of freedom. Congratulations, Liv. You're a police officer now. Have some gummies and go to court. (laughs) Yay. Yay. What um, uh, do you have a preference between day shift or graveyards? I actually like nights way better. Like I'm a night owl by nature. I have no problem staying up all night. I can't get up early. I hate mornings. I just want to be asleep. I really don't want to be awake at all. It's just, I can't get used to them. I just, it just feels like an insult that I'm even mobile. And how frequently are these rotations that you have to do? Um, I the schedule I'm on now is always two six a.m. starts and two four p.m. starts, and that's not actually bad because at least you only have to get up early for two days, and then it kind of feels like you have a day in between to just kind of get your act together, and then two nights. So it only ever feels like you're working two days at a time, which is kind of nice. And how how long are your shifts? They are eleven hours long. Somebody somewhere did a study and apparently that's like optimal shift length i mean i have no idea how they came to that conclusion but whatever (laughs) you're like you clearly have never done this job (laughs) you've clearly never done this job and that's a decision that wasn't in my favorite so whatever is there uh so i again 
ignorant American. Do the Mounties think that they are the greatest law enforcement agency in the world? Um, I don't actually think they do. I mean, Canadians on a, on the whole, I think are actually pretty humble people and would never admit to being the best at anything. I mean, I don't think we toot our own horn enough, actually. Fair enough. I only ask because we've got at our like, because the Royal Canadian Mounted Police are across the entire country, um, and the only thing mm. that we have similar to that, well, we've got a handful of agencies, but there's this somewhat contentious relationship with like FBI agents who show up on on scenes for whatever reason, or or, or other federal law enforcement agents who come out and and they look at patrol officers as like, oh you can, you're in my way now. The real, the real officers, the real law enforcement entity is here. And you're just like, what the fuck, man? Like you, you sit behind a desk on like the fifth floor of some skyscraper somewhere. You've got an accounting degree. Like you never really wanted to be a cop. Just I'm out here like getting in fights and are like arresting really terrible people. And, and you occasionally show up to things, but you're going to come around and tell me how hot shit you are. So I was curious to know if that was similar up there. I would say it's not because the RCMP don't really overlap with municipal agencies. So a lot of bigger Canadian cities have their own police service that just serves that particular city. But then that wouldn't be the jurisdiction of the RCMP who tend to be small towns and like really large rural areas. So to me, it almost seems like there's very, very little overlap. So it wouldn't be like if a city cop got some big file that the RCMP would blast in and take it over. Okay. Just, yeah. I don't think we really have an equivalent of the FBI here. Interesting. Okay. So I, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and so the, the RCMP, I think you mentioned it is at that provincial level. So they are, they're across the entire country. Um, and you said that they're, that I think that's kind of where the split comes in because they're out in like rural areas or small towns. And I think we would equate that to like a sheriff's department out here at the, at the county level. Um, and then we, of course, have municipal law enforcement like me. Um, and then there's like our um, our Native American reservations will have their own uh, law enforcement agencies as well, generally speaking. So it's interesting that you guys don't have something. Is there is there an international or not an internet? Is there a national like investigative agency? No, I guess the, R- the RCMP are the national one because they are nationwide. But I guess I don't really feel like they're... Uh, like an analog to the FBI. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. See, I told you, you were going to have to educate me a little bit while I was here. Um, That's okay. I have a question for you too. So yeah. where do state, where do state troopers fit into the mix? So our state troopers generally, okay. So this is where Arizona is a little bit different um, or, or at least can be. So state troopers and highway patrol, again, depending on the state that you're in. So, in Arizona, we have the, because we like to confuse the shit out of people. So we don't call them, we, we call them troopers, but they are not highway patrol or state troopers. They are technically the Department of Public Safety. But it is okay. it is understood that their primary job and the sides of their cars say highway patrol. And so they operate only on the freeway systems, generally speaking. Um, they are a statewide law enforcement agency. Um, so like, like, uh, 
New Jersey State Troopers and California Highway Patrol have a very similar function, as I understand it. Um, they're a state law enforcement agency. They can kind of go anywhere in the state and, and do their job. Um, and it's the same with with our troopers here in Arizona. Um, but like I had, so my academy sergeant, the person who was in charge of my entire academy class was a state trooper. And it came time to talk about our criminal code instead of our traffic code. And he was like, yeah, I got nothing for you guys. I'm leaving because I'm not going to be able to tell you a damn thing. And we were like, oh, well, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> like, you know, if it's if it's not if it's not anything to do with like drugs or alcohol or like illicit firearms, then then I'm out. I can't tell you guys a damn thing about domestic violence laws. So um, that is that is where state troopers come into the mix is generally they're the ones who are sitting off on, you know, the side of the freeway. Um you know, doing things like, uh, like monitoring for speed. Uh, and I'm trying not to sh- try not to shit on the state troopers because it, uh, we all make fun of each other. Uh, troopers in Arizona, uh, troopers, maybe the, the, around the country, the joke is about their, their big Smokey, the bear hats, which I think the RCMP yeah. uses Smokey, the bear hats. They totally have those hats. Yeah, so we always joke that uh, you know you're not a trooper without. Like, hey, trooper, where's your hat? Like you're you're not a real state trooper because you don't have a hat on. So that's kind of where where they come into the mix. I will say again, not to shit on state troopers at all. Like when I worked graveyards along uh, one of the freeway corridors in my city, my closest backup and the one who would show up uh, almost as frequently as the officers in my own city was a state trooper. Uh, it just so happened that that this guy was on his way home uh, during my like just before the bars get out my little hunting, you know, hunting time, if you will, for traffic violations, because I think that traffic interdiction is where you get a lot of really good stops, especially along a highway corridor. Um, but yeah. uh, but he was always headed home. He happened to live in my city. And so I'd, I'd pull somebody over and and he'd usually stop right with me and, and back me up. Um he, he got all excited one day because, again, they operate primarily on the freeways, and I had to go to a uh, building alarm, which when you're a municipal police officer and they send you a building alarm, you're like, oh, okay, this is not an action movie. Like, nobody's bust through the glass. Like, nobody's actually robbing a sandwich shop in an upper-middle-class neighborhood in Arizona. But this state trooper was like... Oh my God, this is so cool. Can we drive code three? Can we go lights and sirens? I was like, no, dude, we don't go. We're not going chill, man. It's a sandwich shop. There's nothing there worth stealing. I don't think somebody's going to run the risk of a felony for like 17 loaves of bread and some like stale meat. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but no, he was, he was a, a funny character there. Um, I, damn, I just had a question and, and like, Ooh, there it went just off into the wilderness. Oh, what, um, with, with the comic book, uh, or with, with the comic strip, um, and, and you've got a, a, a pretty decent following on Instagram. Um, I am, I am curious cause I like, so I get people who kind of razz me about having a podcast at my own agency. Uh, how's the reaction been at your agency with, with your comic strip? I don't go around talking about it. Fair enough. People who, People who have stumbled across it on their own, I've had really positive, really positive feedback and it really makes you feel really good. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, a, a buddy of mine was talking about my podcast and the reaction that he got in briefing was, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear about it. And I was like, oh, that, hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to destroy your self-esteem like that. I feel like I'm in high school all over again. <laughs> do, do you, uh, um, do the people in your comic strips, are they, are they all based off of people that you encounter out there or are some of them just from your imagination? It's kind of a mix of both like me is based on me and the main character doesn't even, doesn't have a name. Like she's never had a name, but some of the side characters do like there's the, the chick in the uh, pink crooks and castles tracksuit with the frizzy red hair. She was named by a coworker. Her name is Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth. I like it. <laughs> We, uh, and she is sort of, yeah, a conglomerate of every meth head I've ever dealt with. Elizabeth. I've always gone with methany as my, uh, my yeah. preferred, but Elizabeth, I like that. And, and yeah, she, so she's just that amalgam of, of all the, the meth heads. And it, is she the one getting into the DV who's like, you're going to arrest him, but I'm not coming to court? Oh, that's her. She's, she's a complete dipshit. <laughs> And that's why she's really fun to draw because she makes terrible decisions. And and there was there was one other one that I was looking at. There were actually a couple a couple of like my talking points are based on some of your of your mm-hmm. panels. Um, but there was one where you've got uh, uh, you know like get a real job, and you talk about going through the or you 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 draw you know going through the the processing exams and going through the academy right. and going through that that like emergency vehicle operations course and and then you still have somebody who was a business major in college and is just a number at their company and or or they don't have a job and they'll be like go get a real job like what the fuck do you think i'm doing out here what do you think a real job is like oh my god people and what really seems to bring that to sort of the forefront of people's mouths or minds or whatever is when you're doing a traffic stop and some clown has to drive by in their jacked up truck windows down and like screaming obscenity at you i mean people rarely do it to my face like if you're just actually talking to them on the street but inevitably some clown will drive by and scream get a real job or fuck you or pig or it doesn't happen a lot here but i mean i've definitely noticed that when traffic stops seem to be a real sore point for people no one like having your faults pointed out on the road. Like, I know you need to send your Snapchat right now while you're driving in rush hour traffic. And I know not that's able to maintain so your lane. <laughs> God yeah, let, let's watch another TikTok video while we're driving 100 kilometers an hour. Like, yeah. And that, that is... I don't like having that stuff pointed out. <laughs> and that is one thing that, that I actually... I, I would like you to speak on a little bit more is the public relationship with law enforcement you said that you don't get that too frequently um and i think down here in the states it's kind of a mixed bag depending on on where you uh are a police officer but what uh i mean what is the the general consensus toward law enforcement in canada um and and did did the uh the, the the Black Lives Matter movement and the the protests uh, against the death of George Floyd did that all hit Canada? Um, maybe you know to how, rather how how did that affect you guys up up north? I think everyone here was everyone I knew was absolutely horrified when all of that hit the fan. Both horrified at what happened and also I hope 
people don't hate us too just because of the job we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like it was scary in a lot of ways. Did, were there, uh, were there riots in Canada? There weren't riots, but there were definitely protests that got very, very heated. Okay. And, and how, yeah. how has the, uh, the, the public responded to, uh, you know, to policing as a whole? Have, have, let me ask this. Has there, has there been a noticeable shift in the way that the public treats you from like, say, we'll just say pre COVID pre George Floyd to, to now? Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I was actually off injured for about six months when right after the George Floyd thing happened, I ended up getting injured and I was off work for six months. So I kind of missed the thick of it. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, was it a work related injury? It was oh, not fun. Not fun. Is there a, is there a story there? Or is that, that not one for the, that, that not one for the, the microphone? Nah, there's a story. It's not really one I want to tell today, though. Fair enough. I'll, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off camera. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and it'll it'll just be between us. I won't uh, I won't go blabbing around to anybody about it. Um, one thing that I'm curious. So I had a uh, a female officer named Kristen on a a, a couple weeks or a week ago now, I should say. Um, and and uh, she spoke a little bit about uh, being a female in law enforcement, and again, just things that that kind of blew my mind, just because I'm. I'm not a female in law enforcement, so it's something that I had never really considered before. But how has um, not only the public but your fellow officers like what is what is being a female officer like in Canada? My personal experience has been really, really positive. Like I've never been sexually harassed at work. I've never had someone at work treat me that I am lesser or not as competent because I'm female. Like it's. I know maybe it hasn't always been like that and I can't speak for everyone, but I think my agency's done a pretty good job of like fostering a really good work environment for whether you're male or female or whatever. So yeah, no complaints for me. Gotcha. That's, that's good to hear that, that uh, you haven't had to kind of put up with that stuff. And, and, and I think as you and I probably both know, it doesn't mean it, it hasn't happened. doesn't mean it isn't happening, but it is nice to hear that there's this, shift. I like to think of, of the career that is law enforcement as this really big, like lumbering ship and you can't turn it on a dime, but we're, we're Definitely. making, making the course corrections that we need to make just from the changes in the job and the changes in, in, as far as like what is societally accepted, um, you know, it, it's a slow, it's a slow process, but damn it, you know, we're, we're getting there again, despite what the general public may see on TV, what I, I think, and, and maybe, I don't know if Canadian law enforcement has a contentious relationship with the media in Canada, but like down here in the States, we look at the news and be like, you guys are picking like, we our our newest thing is, oh, the border patrol agents in Texas are whipping Haitian migrants. We're like, no, they're not They're You've clearly never ridden a fucking horse before. Um, even the person who took that photograph is like, yeah, I don't know where this whipping thing came from. I have never photographed a border patrol agent whipping anybody. Um, but the media seems to only want to show this like negative, uh, very um, uh, curated view on law enforcement. Is it, 
similar in Canada or, or is it the complete opposite? Kind of where do you guys stand? I think it's pretty similar, unfortunately. I think the news here, probably the same as it is for you. People like what's salacious, what's going to grab a headline, what's going to get views, what's going to get people worked up. And I know how kind of hyper where I felt when I've been in a public place making an arrest. You know, all those cell phones are trained on you and you wonder, like, okay, so what snippet of this are people going to see? Are you going to see, you know, the 30 minute conversation that led up to this arrest? Are you going to see five seconds of it? Like, context is is everything regardless of the situation. And if you don't know the context that something occurred in, if you don't know all of what the people who are involved in the situation know, then how can you make sweeping proclamations as to what happened? Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. And it's, it's unfortunate to see that it's happening, you know, in Canada as well. But I would venture to guess that, you know, if I talk to a, a cop in, in England or in France or, or, you know, Germany, wherever, um, that it, they're probably going to have a similar, you know, uh, similar statements and, and a similar relationship with media. Um, I, every now and then I let myself get, get a little bit angry over it. And I sit there, I'm like, you know, people want to remind me that, oh, well, after, you know, just remember how the reporting was on 9-11. And it's like, yeah, how many of us need to die in any given time for the media to take 20 minutes and be like, hey, good job dying, guys. Anyways, back to the news and all the shit they're doing wrong. And you're like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. we, we can't, yeah, we can't base, you know, how you're going to report on law enforcement off of like these, these like major tragic events, but you're not going to sit there and talk about all the good things that happened today. You're going to talk about the five bad things that happened or, or the five things that you perceive to be bad because you're reporting on something that you don't actually know anything about. So. Totally. I just generally try not to watch the news because I either get mad and I don't like being mad. Right. Bad feeling. Yeah, no, I'm right there yeah. with you. I don't, I, I try not to watch the news that we were in a sushi restaurant the other day and, and, something was on with the news. I don't even, and I don't even remember what it was, but my wife looked at me and she's like, Hey, Hey, like, you know, kind of snap. Hey, where are you at right now? Come on back. You know, like you're at dinner with your family and you're like, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just like watching the news and now I'm pissed off at the world. And now my whole night's ruined because I can't let myself get over it. So something along those lines. Um, well, yeah, moving on from, from the sad bit, um, with, uh, with these last few minutes, uh, uh I am, Curious, where where do you see Thin Blue Scribble going? What is your goal? Well, I hope I keep getting ideas. Sometimes I'll have a really good idea, and I'm like, oh, geez, how am I going to top that? Will I be able to come up with something else? And then I feel anxiety, you know, when I've had a dry spell for a few weeks, and, like, ideas aren't coming together for me, and then I'll get a few at once, so it'll sort of average out. But I guess the roundabout way of answering your question is I would love to be able to publish a book someday i just don't think i have enough material to fill one yet but you do have there is a storefront right so you you are selling did i see mugs is that what it was and there's something else talk to us about about what what people can what people can do to support thin blue scribble there are mugs right now that's that's basically it at this point i mean maybe other stuff down the line all right Fair enough. Uh, I, I'm game for a mug. I will be ordering one, or I will be asking for one for Christmas. I guess we're close enough now that I'm supposed to stop. I'm pretty sure I can help you 
<laughs> I think I'm supposed to stop buying something for myself, although there is a $1,200 rifle coming my way on Monday, but that's neither here nor there. That was that was a, a, a knee-jerk purchase from my boss. It was like, hey, I'm selling this. Check this out. I'm like, if you put it in my hands, I'm going to buy it. And he was like, yeah, that's why I'm putting it in your hands. I'm like, God damn it, Dave. <laughs> oh, man. How do you uh, live? How do people find you on social media? They can look me up on Instagram at thin blue scribble, all one word. All right. And I will be, I will be tagging you in this so that, uh, uh, if you're listening to this show, you head on over to my Instagram page. Uh, you can quickly and easily find thin blue scribble, uh, or just enter it into the search bar up there. I think she's the only one. So, and it's, I'm the uh, only one as far as I know. yeah, uh, I, I do think you're the only one and, and it's, a it's unique content. It's refreshing. I don't think I've seen any other like law enforcement uh, like cartoon, uh, cartoon strips. Um, so, I mean, kudos to you for, uh, you know, kind of putting down in your own creative way, putting down kind of what, what you go through. I think it's important for us, um, who do the job to kind of move past this, like, I'm going to do this and never talk about it because that's, that's how you end up with like some sort of, you know, mental health issues that you run into or this like, fuck everyone else you know i'm not gonna uh, you know i i'm not gonna tell you because you wouldn't understand like no if people want to know if they if they have a genuine curiosity you should sit down and take the time to talk to them about it because they don't know and they're never going to know if you don't talk to them and the way that you're doing it live is awesome because it helps as as you say in your bio it brings a lighter side to law enforcement where you're still talking about the things that you see um but but in your own creative way there's a lot of ugly stuff that you see in this job. Like there's no getting around that. But if you don't focus on the lighter stuff, the stuff that's so absurd that it makes you laugh and it's going to drag you into a place that you really don't want to be. So I prefer to just focus on the stuff that makes me laugh. Absolutely. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Oh, I do. I need to know the story behind the boots and the boot store. Okay. So two winters ago, I needed to buy new boots. Mine were getting pretty beat up. So a couple of coworkers had really talked up this sort of tactical gear store. And like, oh, that sounds really cool. I bet I can get some really great boots that'll last me for a long time. This sounds great. So look at the address, took my husband with me. We drove out to this place and I walk in like, wow, they've got some great gear. The salesman just kind of like blasts out of the side room, lasers past me like I don't even exist. Like, Arma, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Let me show you what. I've got, come over and see these, blah, 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 from Germany, this, that, waterproof, Kevlar, bulletproof, walk on the moon, dragon kicking, bullshit boots that I've got here. And had basically sold my husband the entire store, hadn't even asked me, like, can I help you? I mean, that's usually what you say when someone walks in a store, right? Right. And like, finally, like, hey, I'm actually the one who's looking for boots here. Oh, well, we only carry one for women. And we had just touched the Lord and like, what? And then he asked me if my husband was my dad. It was like, <laughs> all right, we're leaving. We're leaving. Yeah. No, we're leaving. I'm, Screw I'm done. you like, I'm so and your store. He, why would you ask somebody that? I'm like, ouch. That is, I, I am curious to hear from uh, other uh, female law enforcement officers uh, if 
those of you that are listening to this show, uh, let me know uh, what your outlandish stories are, like the just the dumb shit that you've had to put up with, um, and uh, and we'll we'll share those out with the world so that people can unask themselves from like I just. <laughs> Like, what the hell, man? Like, you're just going to be like, and then you're going to throw a shit fit about it. Like, I only have one pair of boots for women and I have to special order them. Uh, 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 I don't want to do this. Like, oh, did you take your dad's shopping? Like, no. Oh, my God. I never, I never went there again. I was so insane. I don't blame you. I wouldn't fucking go there ever again. I don't care how you're cool. You're not getting my money, man. Yeah, I don't care how cool you are. There have been plenty of places. I So, uh, my only, like, and it has nothing to do with law enforcement, but through COVID last year, I was sitting there. I'm like, like, what are some things I've always wanted to do? And I went into, uh, there's an airport, uh, and it was an airport in my beat. And I walked over to the like helicopter flight training school office and well, I'm in uniform walking in, just going, Hey, say hi. I, you know, worked here for a year. I haven't met many of you guys, but, uh, you know, I'm curious about flying helicopters and the, uh, the owner of this place looks at me and she goes, um, can you even afford to learn how to fly a helicopter? And I'm like, all right, well, I'll see myself well, out yeah. <laughs> and I'm never going back. So no, I, I just like, I, I knew when I stumbled across that comic strip of you in the boot store, I was like, I, there's, there's a story here, but you do such a good job of, of telling the entire story in those, you know, four or five slides that, that you draw out. Thanks. How long does it take yeah. you to do? How long does it take you to do, uh, you know, a, a comic strip? It depends whether I'm drawing one that has a lot of shading and background characters or whether it's just like he was a mess yelling into the phone. Like, those ones are done in a couple of hours. But I mean, the ones I've done recently tend to have a lot of kind of color and background characters. Those can take a couple of days because first you draw it all in pencil. Then I have a fine tip black marker that I go over the pencil, erase the pencil color it in. I've been using colored pencils for the most part, but I've been starting to get into markers. And there's some pretty fancy markers out there. Then you have to go it over the lines again with black ink. They sort of fade out when you color over them. So some of them are really time consuming. Some of them are just quick hitters. Depends, I guess. Well, and I'm going to tell everybody listening that they need to go over to, uh, to your Instagram and check them out. And I will post up uh, I had a little teaser of it yesterday, but I, you only saw the corner of it. Uh, but Liv was kind enough to draw me uh, a little promotional uh, 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 like panel for, for her coming on the show today to mark that out. And I'm actually going to uh, print that out and frame it so that I have it. So that way, when she's good and famous one day, I can be like, look, see, I have an original Liv right here. Look at this. And I don't know. People will be like, that's nice. Moving on. <laughs> mail you the original maybe it'll be worth something whoa someday. that would be amazing and then yeah when it you're famous your, your, your retirement investment piece how does that sound <laughs> oh i'm no i'm never selling it i'm keeping it i will i will i will make it the centerpiece of my art museum should i ever start one it will appreciate in value <laughs> like like right when you walk I in hope. the door it's not going to be you know it's not going to be david or rembrandt it's going to be live boom I like it. Well, Liv, as we uh, as we come to a close again, thank you so very much with uh, with taking the time to talk to me tonight. Uh, you can keep your foot of snow. I will keep my 120 degree temperatures because um, I think that's I'm just fine with 
So. Yeah, I think we're both going to be okay with that. But in the event I uh, I ever come your way in, in Canada, I will be sure to uh, to hit you up. I will uh, uh, buy you uh, something from Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> And if, I was going to say, if you come to Canada, I'll take you to Tim Hortons. Deal, deal. And if you come to the States, should you ever come down to Arizona, hit me up and I will take you to our finest Dunkin' Donuts. Although in Arizona, we have another place called Bosa Donuts, B-O-S-A, oh. Bosa Donuts. And that's actually, that's that's a real good place to go to. There's a Bosa in my city. And I think that the, uh, the gangbangers have realized that if they ever... Uh, rob that place they will be found instantaneously because you are fucking with our donut shop and you don't do that to our donut shop that is the cop's donut shop <laughs> and it's it's a really really bad idea for you to attempt an armed robbery there <laughs> so <laughs> people are gonna do it but we're gonna we're gonna put you in prison and we're gonna be eating donuts while we do it so live as we as we <laughs> as we come to a close you've got a microphone to the world what does the world need to hear from live Oh, I feel like I should be saying something super deep and insightful right now, but I will just quote one of my favorite movies, Bill and Ted's Excellent excellent Adventure, and just say, be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. I like it. It's a good fitting tribute. I don't, you know, people come on the show and they're like, oh, I need to come up with something really profound, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to be this like Confucius level saying, just telling people to, to be awesome to each other. I think if yeah. if everybody listening to this show, uh, uh, I don't know how many there are. I, I really don't ever take the time to look at the the data and the analytics. Um, eventually, I will, I'm sure. But you know, if everybody listening to this show would just take that into account, be awesome to each other. Um, yeah. You know, and, and if you're a cop, you know, instead of instead of going out and contacting the the transient on the street and just trying to get an easy and quick warrant arrest, I mean, if, if it's somebody that you're cool with and you know, just go ahead and get him a sandwich, get him a bottle of water, if you know, help somebody change a tire. Um, if you know, be awesome to your family when you get home at the end of your shift, um, and that you know, no matter what job you do, everybody has their. Fr- I did pest control before I was a cop. I got frustrated doing pest control of all things. I look back on that and laugh. But, um, you know, go, it, it doesn't do you any good to, uh, to just be grumpy all the time. So, uh, nope. be happy, be awesome to each other. Um, and, uh, I think the world will slowly, but surely much like that big ship ma- metaphor I, I made earlier, maybe just maybe we can turn this thing around. Liv, thank you again so much for, for coming on and, and help teaching me a little bit about Canada. I do apologize if I offended anybody at the FBI or the RCMP. Uh, that was not my intention. Uh, well, the FBI, we've had some some good relationships and some bad relationships. That's what I'll say. You know who you are. Uh, but uh, before I stick my foot any further into my mouth, I think that's just going to be uh, about it for us tonight. Again, thank you so very much for listening. To those of you uh, uh, here in this show, again, Thin Blue Scribble on Instagram and stay tuned and see what else Liv has in store for you. With that, I want you guys to stay safe and I'll see you on the road.